0: Hello, and welcome to Book Club of One. I'm Jacob, a librarian, and through the course of a year, I read a lot of books. Join me as I detail the ones I've liked the most. Here we are again with another episode of Book Club of One. So between the episodes, I've managed to finish some books that had been in the progress for quite a while. Still in Progress, unfortunately, are the first book of the Outlander series, and I've just started How to Be an Anti-Racist. Both of these will be featured later this summer, hopefully in July. For anyone following or visiting Book Club of One on Goodreads, there is now a cumulative list of the featured book. We've managed to make it to 40, and if you're curious of this list, or a Goodreads user and want to just add them to your to-read shelf, uh, you can find that link, hopefully, in the show notes. My public library is reopened for curbside service, and uh, thanks to that and some loans from a colleague, there'll be an increase in Black Lives Matters inspired inspired readings for July. So we're going to start this week off again with the Black Lives Matter book, uh, and like last episode, we're looking at Strange Fruit. Uh, So this one is Strange Fruit Volume 2, More Uncelebrated Narratives from Black History. So it is the sequel to the one we talked about last episode. Joel Christian Gill is still an American cartoonist, historian, educator, and author. He is currently Associate Professor of Illustration at Massachusetts College College of Art and Design. And for this volume, uh, Regina Bradley, Assistant Professor of English and African Diaspora Studies at Kennesaw State University, wrote the introduction. So as we saw with volume one, uh, it is uh, a collection of stories from African-American history that exemplify success in the face of great adversity. Uh, And like the other volume, I found this one through the Black Lives Matter reading lists uh, and having read the first one. So instead of giving you my own summary, I'm gonna do something a little different this time and read to you a portion of Regina Bradley's introduction. So this is coming from page two of Strange Fruit. The people the reader will meet in this book faced extraordinary circumstances. We are introduced to selfless and courageous black women like Millie and Christine McCoy, Cathay Williams, and Mary Fields. We learn about the valiant Eugene Bullard. We catch a glimpse of one of the most gracious clapbacks in history a letter by ex-slave Jordan Anderson to his former master that debunks the notion of Black inferiority. We get to hear the beauty of the world through the ears of blind Tom Wiggins. We also recognize the challenge of Black people traveling in Jim Crow America via Victor Green's Green Book for the Negro Motorist, which marked safe spaces for Black folk on the road. Together, these stories offer multiple views of Black people seeking and achieving freedom and the most dire circumstances. Gill illustrates these acts of self-liberation for both young and old, an offering that crosses generations to offer hope for the future and honor of our ancestors. So that's the end of the uh, introduction. So as as in the prior volume, we have a a set of stories and this one we have eight. Uh, So some of those were already mentioned like the Jordan Anderson, uh, but Cathay Williams uh, was the only known female Buffalo soldier. So this was a woman who dressed herself up as a man in order to fight during the Civil War. So Victor Green, you, you've probably heard of the Green Book, at least from the, the film recently. Uh, and closer to my area of interest, we had Eugene Bullard, who was a World War One fighter pilot, who originally volunteered with the French because uh, in those... in United States Air Force, which wasn't very large, there would have been no way an African-American would have been able to fly. Uh, So he served with the French for most of the war. He did try to join the American forces and uh, was unable to fly, so went back to the French. So like our our other volume, again, it's a graphic novel. Uh, It's very well done. You, You look through the different pages, you see attention has been given to making sure the settings are appropriate for the time periods of the individual's lives. There is, where, where appropriate, some, some humor, some levity, but overall, again, it is showcasing these individuals' lives and what they were able to accomplish, even when the rest of the world seemed to be set against them. Book two is Weather by Jenny Othell. She is an American novelist, children's writer, and editor. So while I had read uh, one of her children's books, 17 Things I'm Not Allowed to Do Anymore with My Child, uh, it didn't keep the author's name in mind. And also, if you're looking for books to discourage children from doing something, that one might not be the most helpful. Uh, My public library was giving away a little sampler booklet that had sections of forthcoming books provided by the publisher, so I'd I'd read some of that and been interested enough to keep this in mind to look for when it was released. Uh, So it is about Lizzie Benson, who's a mother, unofficial shrink, and a credential-lacking academic librarian. Uh, Benson is managing family relations, balanced against her library work, and during the course of the book, she has an additional job working for an old mentor who the mentor had established a very popular podcast called Hell or High Water that sometimes brings out some of the more conservative or conspiracy-leaning listeners. So Benson's job is to respond to them. So the book is primarily told through brief journal-like passages or summaries of different portions of the day. So in that way, it's fairly easy to read, but the subject matter can be a little more Problem, well, not problematic, but uh, a little more serious. So at the center of this is very a very complex family dynamic. So Benson's brother is a former addict who's in and out of recovery throughout the course of the book. There's a strained relationship with a mother who's aging in life and struggling with, with that process. And I think some, to some degree, beginning to fear for the afterlife. Uh, but she she also is married and has a son. And with that group of family, things seem to go along pretty well, at least so long as the, the brother doesn't move in, which you'll see. But uh, I appreciate this book because, again, it's about a librarian, but also seeing the way she, she was able to try to balance all these. Uh, it also has one of my favorite quotes from a book this year. So at one point, a, another character asks Benson how she knows something. And she responds, because I'm an effing librarian. Book number three takes us back to World War One with the First World War in a Hundred Objects by John Hughes Wilson. Uh, so Hughes Wilson is a the past president of the International Guild of Battlefield Guides, and according to his site, is one of Britain's leading military historians and a well-reviewed author, broadcaster, and commentator on a wide range of intelligence and military historical subjects. It also includes an introduction and some contributions by historian Nigel Steele, who has done a lot of work with the Imperial War Museum uh, and written... In, in collaboration with Peter Hart, written some, some works on World War I as well. So this is, I think, the third book I've read focused on an object history of World War I. Uh, and I, I took a quick skim through my Goodreads to to recall the past. So in comparison to uh, Gary Sheffield's version, I found the Hughes Wilson version much much better. Uh, for this particular one, for each of those objects, we're given a minimum to, of two but often four pages uh, of describing each one giving the historical context. So the object is presented, there's a specific paragraph devoted to the object, and then the other two to four pages explored in more depth, linking it to other issues of the war. Uh, I can Our fourth book is Colin Molloy's Let It Be. So Colin Molloy is best known for his work as the singer and songwriter of the Decembrists, uh, but he has also been writing. So this is his first book, but since this publication, he has written uh, The Wizmob and the Grenadine Kid that came out in 2017, a trilogy of books called The Wildwood Chronicles that were illustrated by Carson Ellis, uh, and then he has also written a few children's books, such as Everyone's Awake, which came out uh, in March 2020. So I came across this book by uh, an interest in the December's music um, and music in general. The premise of the, the book series, this came out as part of the 33 and 1 3rd series, which is a a series of books focused on a particular album. We will come back to this series eventually, as Sean Nelson wrote one, uh, who was most notable for his work with Harvey Danger, and then John Darnielle of The Mountain Goats wrote one about Metallica. So both of those will be coming up. But for this particular book explores uh, Colin Molloy's musical upbringing, so largely focused on the 1980s, particularly the Replacements album, Let It Be was very meaningful to him. Uh, Colin Molloy exploits his, uh, his musical upbringing and the embracing of learning to play guitar, write lyrics on his own, uh, centered around constantly coming back to this album, which he was first introduced to by his uncle, who would keep sending him mixtapes. Uh, and he f- Malloy talks about identifying so much with the replacements because they, too, came out of Minnesota, and he grew up in Montana, which was a state often skipped over by touring artists. And our last book featured for this episode is our biggest disappointment of the two weeks. This time around, it's The Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires by Grady Hendrix. So Grady Hendrix is an American author and screenwriter. Uh, I came across this having read other books by Grady Hendrix, uh, and usually I've enjoyed them. Uh, Best so far has been Paperbacks from Hell which was nonfiction but centered around the horror novel boom in the 70s and 80s and explored the the plots and the artwork of those and was a very amusing book, one I've recommended to many people. So The Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires tries to be Fried Green Tomatoes and Steel Magnolias Meet Dracula in a southern-flavored supernatural thriller set in the 90s about a women's book club that must protect its suburban community from a mysterious and handsome stranger who turns out to be a blood-sucking fiend. So this is centered around Patricia Campbell, who was a former nurse who gave up her career to marry a doctor and now raises their two ungrateful children in the suburbs of Charleston. She is searching for meaning in her life when she joins a book club Uh, And within the first chapter, that book club crashes and burns, uh, and they start up, she and some of the other people from that initial book club start one of their own, centered around reading books on true crime. Then a stranger appears in the neighborhood, people start to go missing, and Patricia is attacked at night by one of her neighbors. So again, uh, not the first book of Grady Hendricks I've read. I've read several others of his, uh, horror store, my best friend's exorcism and, uh, my favorite of his fiction, we sold our souls. And usually they're, they're enjoyable kind of mystery horror blends. Um, the mm-hmm. worst thing I've ever read by him is dead leprechauns and devil cats, strange tales of the white street society, which was just poor. Uh, but that was 2012, and his work since then uh, overall has been better. But this, uh, the Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires, just doesn't seem to work. Like we have the book club banding together to fight the vampire, but there's many year breaks in between due to some setbacks or personal lives. The different different characters, Patricia Campbell as the central character. Um, is not very confident, gets bullied quite frequently by her husband. Her children, again, are very ungrateful and do not appreciate really anything she does. During the course of the book, the mother-in-law winds up moving in and has special care needs uh, that lead to the introduction of the main African-American character, who is hired as the nurse for the stepmother. Not stepmother, sorry, the mother-in-law. And during this, there's some discussion uh, or pointing out the differences in race in Charleston, because we have this, this wealthy suburban neighborhood dealing with the vampires. And then we have the African-American community also dealing with the supposed vampire and their children are disappearing. Whereas uh, aside from some of the residents within the white neighborhood directly, we not too much is lost initially from them. So again, it was, Okay, but it felt like it could have been better. Like a lot of the horror was just the psychological kind of cat and mouse game between the vampire and his intended victims. mentioned at the beginning of the episode, there's two books in progress, which I'm hoping to feature next episode, Being Outlander and How to Be an Anti-Racist. In that vein, uh, I'm also hoping to read White Fragility, Why It's So Hard for White People to Talk About Racism by Robin DiAngelo. In that work, DiAngelo examines how white fragility develops, how it protects racial inequality, and what can be done to engage more constructively uh, at my my library, I work for. It is associated with an institute of higher learning, and many of the faculty members there have been encouraged to read this book, and I am hoping to do so also to better be a supportive ally. The other book on the reading soon featurette here is "Don't Panic," Douglas Adams and the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy by Neil Gaiman. So, the, so this one is a biography of Douglas Adams written by Neil Gaiman. So. Those two reasons alone, I'm pretty excited about. I know it was uh, one of Gaiman's earlier works. If you like the description of any of the books shared here, visit the show notes for links for WorldCat, uh, showing libraries you may be able to borrow it through, or links to purchase through IndieBound or Bookshop.org. In addition, if you have never used thrift books before, meaning you have no account, uh, there's a provided link to get 15% off your first order, and I will get 50 points towards a free book. Some exclusions do apply to that 15%. You can find Book Club of One on Instagram and Gmail as Book Club of Uno, uh, or you can find us on Goodreads and through podcasts like the one you're listening to as Book Club of One. This podcast is made and distributed through Anchor.fm. Check back in two weeks, and remember, no one should be shamed for reading.